will start in verse 1, you will go verse 2, I go verse 3, you go verse 4, we just continue to roll. Verse 16 will be our last verse, and we will read 16 together. You are not spectators this morning, but you are participators. Amen. You can be spectators at a lot of places, but when you come into the house of the Lord, you want to be a participator. I like what I feel, and I feel what I like. God's presence is certainly among us. For those of you that don't feel it, we'll let him rub off on you. Some At some part of this service, he'll rub off on you. But God is here, and he's ready to do some things. And so if you're just you know, trying to figure out what's going on, don't worry. Hold on tight. Hold on tight. There's some people that their faith is just growing and getting stronger because they have prayed. And when you pray, you expect for something to happen. And we had just a wonderful prayer meeting yesterday at 6.30. I am so, man, we had church yesterday. You might as well call that one. I don't know. We were praying, but it just felt like church. felt like an apostolic move of God yesterday. You know, when you're praying and you start going through stuff you, you're not trying to do, you know God is doing something. So we had a great time praying. Uh, I had to turn out the light yesterday. <laughs> when we come to prayer at 6.30 on Saturdays after we discuss what we're going to pray about we said the last person turn out the light because prayer we don't talk after we get done praying we don't, you pray and you pray you get going and so depending on the last person who's here they turn out the lights and we leave but we come and pray and when I got done yesterday I'm looking around like who's going to turn out the light I said I guess it's going to be me but we had a good time as they thank God amen, amen. Acts chapter 3 Verse number one, Acts chapter three, verse number one. Hallelujah. Amen. We have the overhead, so I'm going to assume everybody is there. Verse number one says this. Now, Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have here I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I love and walk. And he took him by the hand, right hand, and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, and he leaped up, stood, and walked, and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they, and they knew that it was he which sat the arms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though not our own power or holiness we had made this man and walk? The God of Abraham 
and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, had glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. And kill the prince of life, whom God had raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name through faith in his name had made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him had given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Jesus, you are the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God. We are so grateful to be in your presence. There is something happening, Lord God, and whatever you're doing, let it happen to every one of us. Lord, whatsoever you do is always perfect and always right. And so, Lord, we put nothing before us. We put nothing in between us and you. But Lord, we leave ourselves vulnerable even now to you to say, God, have your way, overshadow us. For God, we want you to demonstrate and to do whatsoever you please. Lord, let signs and wonders take place in this service today. For God, you healed last week. Lord, that was just a sign of what you're endeavoring to do among us in a more powerful way. And so this morning we beckon unto you to say, oh great God, will you release from heaven your power? Will you manifest your glory? And will you do whatsoever you want to do? God, many of us here have needs this morning. Many of us have come, Lord God, looking to you. And oh God, only you can do what needs to be done. We have no other hope, Lord God. We we have no other way, Lord God. For you are the way, the truth, and the life, Lord God. All of our trust, all of our confidence is in you, Lord God. If you can't do it, it can't be done. But we know you are able. And so, God, we pray today that you will do exceeding and abundant above whatever we can ask or think. Jesus of Nazareth, will you do do, oh God, what you want to do. Oh God, break every chain, every invisible chain that binds and set the captives free. Oh God, through the word of God and by the power of the Holy Ghost, Lord Jesus. Let none, my God, walk out of this place today without being shaken, without being stirred, without being moved, without receiving a miracle, without receiving from you today. Let none walk out, Lord God. We give you the praise, Lord Jesus. Honor and glory belongs to you. For all these things we pray in the wonderful and powerful and majestic name of Jesus Christ. Can the church say amen? Will you clap your hands unto Jesus and just give him a shout? Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I've entitled our message today, I am expecting to receive something. I am expecting to receive something. Hmm. Hallelujah. 
The Jews observed three times of prayer in their daily lives as they endeavored to serve their God. The three times of prayer is 9 a.m., which is the third hour. Then they go at 3 p.m., which is the ninth hour. And then at the sunset, they pray again. So they normally pray three times in a day. A lot of other religions, or maybe a few other religions, have kind of copied that. The only difference is the Jews were praying to the true and living God. Everybody else was praying to idols. But nevertheless, they took time out to pray three times a day. I wonder what would happen if we take time out to pray three times a day, because somewhere along the line, the Jews kind of... Uh, misunderstood who their true and living God is. Uh, they want him to remain a certain way and they wanted him to be a certain way, but he, that wasn't his plan. And so because what they want and he was not, they missed what he is. And so today me and you are privileged to know that the almighty God in the Old Testament that the Jews worship is the almighty God that's reigning today and his name is Jesus. In the Old Testament they couldn't see him. He never manifested his personality, his identity. He didn't manifest it to them in the Old Testament, but he did show up and show forth and did great things in the Old Testament. And so New Testament came. He had a plan from the very beginning of mankind. He had a plan. He revealed himself by becoming a human being. So the Jesus that you read about in the New Testament is the almighty God you read about in the Old Testament. Just in the Old Testament, he never made himself known his person his identity. He didn't make himself known in the Old Testament. He just did things in different ways. But today we know that the one that walked this earth that was born from the, the Virgin Mary, his name is Jesus, who is God manifest. Remember, the Bible says we were created in God's image. God always knew that, yes, he's spirit, but he knew one day he would become human. And so he created us according to his standard of who he is, because guess what? We can only relate to those that are like us. Uh, relationships are hard when you're trying to be in a relationship with somebody that's totally different from you, that's on a different plane from you. You try having a relationship with someone where they're in the east and you're in the west and see how that works. Try having a relationship with someone that's hot and you're cold. That will never work. And so God created us to be like him because that's the only way we would be able to have right relationship. And so they prayed. They seek God. Peter and John were going to the temple at 3 o'clock, 3 p.m. to pray. Spiritual disciplines are important in our life because spiritual disciplines will create opportunities for great things for God to do in your life. Uh, if we will allow ourselves to practice spiritual disciplines, we make room for God to do things. But I got to be honest with you and tell you, sometimes we're expecting things and we should not expect things. We we want things to be done and we want to receive things when in actuality, what did you do to expect that? Why why are you expecting that? I see people all the time getting frustrated and losing their patience. And I see people all the time uh, messing up relationships because they're expecting something that they shouldn't be expecting. And when they don't receive it, they have a problem. Say, what's the problem? 
problem. But why were you expecting something? Uh, I want to tell you today that we need to only expect when we should expect. We shouldn't be expecting. Well, we be expecting the people. Well, they should. Well, who said they should? What do you know about them? What do you know about their life? And what do you know about where they're from? And what they've suffered in their life? Why are you thinking people should? This is why Jesus said that, you know what, trust in the Lord with all your heart, but we're trusting in other things, and we're expecting stuff to happen through other things and other mediums. But Jesus says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Why? Because Jesus said, when you expect from Him, He will certainly make sure that what you're expecting, you will receive. We're getting disappointed all over because we're, we're expecting from people and we're, we're expecting from a situation, but, but the only God can make promises and be sure to keep them. This lame man from his birth, he was, he was lame from his birth. He, he was just deprived of power of independence. He was not able to experience enjoyment of life. His, his, he was considered one that you will just be pitiful towards. You, you, you're pitiable, you know. To, 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 he didn't have health, you know, and, and he needed to have health, uh, where he could experience freedom and independence. The Bible said they, they carried this man every day. Every day they carried him to this temple gate so he can ask for alms. Beggars would often wait in places where they would have the most traffic. Everybody, you know, know their business. I would, I'm, you know, didn't think about that. But, you know, if you were a beggar, you would think about that. We got to go where people are going to be. And so they, they go where there's going to be a lot of traffic, people-wise, such as along the roads near cities or at the entrance to the temple. The beautiful gate was one of the favored entrances into the temple complex, and many people passed through it on their way to worship. Since giving money to beggars was considered praiseworthy in the Jewish religion, the lame man wisely had himself placed where he could catch the almsgiver headed both to and from religious gatherings. That was a smart guy. That was a smart guy. He, you know, he said, listen, man, if I go right here, people are going to feel guilty if they don't give me something. How are you going, to, going into church to go pray? But you see me out here asking and you just kind of walk by me. So he was he was he was smart. He knew what he was doing. But I, I read a little bit further in, in, in the scripture. I really believe I, I've never heard anybody mention this. I believe that lame man that was begging by the gate. I, I believe he had some faith. I believe he believed in the almighty God. If you get into it a little bit, which we will before we close out here, we'll see this man had some faith. He, he knew what he was doing. He just happened to be born lame. Some of us can't help what we were born as. Uh. We, 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 
we, we see this lame man and realize he was born crippled. He couldn't walk. And so that's physical. So we can see that. And so we understand that. But there are people that are born deficient in who they are as a people. Are we going to look at them the same way we look at the crippled man? Or we're just going to criticize them and say, what's wrong with you? Well, maybe they're born with deficiency because of who their parents are and, and what they've experienced in life. Maybe they're deficient in some way when we criticize and give them a hard time or when we just look at them saying you know what maybe that's just who they are Ah, somebody help me this morning God's going to help us today God's going to help us today God's going to help us today God wants to help us This, this man's crippled condition is a picture listen to this is a picture of the hopeless condition of someone that's living as a sinner the Bible is always trying to give us messages, messages. Just think about this crippled man from birth. Uh, he was, he was, he was, he, he couldn't do anything on his own. He was trapped. He was, he, he was confined and, and, and he couldn't sustain himself. He needed someone. He needed help. And so God has given us this scripture uh, uh, to tell us and show us that when we're in sin, when we're living away from God, we are just that this crippled man. We're going to need to be Married. We're going to need to be supported. We're going to need to be taken care of. And can't nobody take care of you but Jesus. And if you want to be delivered, if you want to be able to walk, I'm not talking physically, but I'm talking spiritually. If you want to walk, if you want to have independence, if you want to have freedom, people want to tell you freedom is doing what you want. But I'm here to tell you today, freedom is doing what Christ wants you to do. This crippled man needed someone. And if you don't have Christ in your life, you need him. You can't survive without Jesus. You can't make it without Jesus. Every succession, every success you're experiencing now is temporary because every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Your life might seem like it's going all right. Things might seem like it's going good. But I'm here to tell you today. If you don't get Jesus, sooner or later, it's going to go bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We live in the moment. The world is telling us, you live, you only live once, so enjoy it. Listen to me, you can't enjoy nothing except for if you were getting Jesus. All of it is temporary satisfaction. It's a trick of the enemy to get you caught up temporarily so you get hooked to something. And once you're hooked to it, it's hard to get unhooked. Once you're caught in the trap, it's hard to get out. And so the devil is setting the trap and trying to hook you. And when you get hooked and you want to get out, you say, how can I get out? All because I wanted to endure myself. Jesus, this is what I love about, I love the Lord. He is so good. Jesus is moved with compassion because of certain conditions. Jesus is moved with compassion because of certain conditions. 
Peter and John was moved with compassion due to the condition of the crippled man. They said, walking by, now just let's go see if we can travel back 4,000. Well, that was probably about 2,500 years ago. Let's, let's travel back and say, put ourselves right in that scene. This guy's at the gate. Remember, in case you don't know, churches are built in communities. So once that temple is there, that's why it's called like a campus. Because that campus is for everybody in that community. And so this guy's at the gate. So the whole community passing him every day, they know him. What made Peter and John stop but nobody else did? Every day people pass this guy. Hey, man, they probably even know his name. Hey, Crip, good. All right, give him a fist pump. Hey, Crip, good to see you again, man. You good? You know the man not good if he at the gate, but you keep on going. And so they give him a pound and they walk by. Nobody pray for him. Nobody say anything. And he keeps saying, alms, alms. But Peter and John decide to stop. Why? Peter and John followed Jesus. They expected, they, they experienced the miracles that Jesus did. They, they watched their master. They was with him and they, they saw how he had compassion for certain kind of people and certain things in life. They saw this compassion that he would show people. And so they started developing that same kind of attitude. You follow Jesus long enough and you'll begin to be like Jesus. You follow Jesus long enough, you will begin to take on some of his attributes. That's why we follow him, because we want to learn of him. We want to become like him. We want to mimic him. Mm. And so, they were moved with compassion because of this guy. And so, they said to the guy, look on us. And the man fixed his eyes on them, expecting to receive something. Hmm. Peter and John was just being like Jesus by showing compassion for this crippled man. If we're going to be like Jesus, we're going to have to show more compassion to each other. Forget about the whys and just deal with the problem. Why is he like that? Forget about why is he like that. Can you just show compassion? Forget about why she's like that. Can you just show compassion? You know, I find sometimes that we're hard on people that really, they are who they are because of what they went through. Yes, yes, yes. We're hard on them. And we're thinking that they should be a certain way. But I've learned a little bit in my Christian walk. I'm not assuming anybody should be anyway. I don't know what you went through in your life. I don't know what kind of situations you've been in and what, what you struggled with. I don't know what your parents did in raising you. I don't know what you experienced. I don't know the things you saw when you was growing up. So I can't put myself in a position to talk about, well, they should. Should what? Should what? All I can say is, Lord, keep leading them in you so you can keep on transforming their lives, so you can keep shaping them, so you can keep molding them. Because one day, God, they will be perfected in you, but only you can transform them. Only you can make them. What's the sense of me criticizing them? I got to let God do what God does in people. Like my job is to call, is to call in the name of the Lord so they can get right. I remember a long time ago, Pastor Nilla said, 
I remember this. I always tell people this. If you've got an issue with someone, just keep praying for them. Because you can't have a problem with somebody that you're praying for God to bless them. You can't have a problem with someone that you're praying, God, help them to not fall. Help them, Lord God, to not, to not lose out on eternity. You can't have a problem with someone when you start praying that kind of prayer. The only way to have a problem with someone constantly is to keep wishing them bad. And if you keep wishing them bad, what do you think is going to happen to you? What they say, old timers, they said, if you're going to dig one ditch for somebody, you better dig two. All right. Okay. That's how it works. That's Bible. I love, I love, man, what I've, what I learn as I get older. I love the elders. The, they knew so much Bible, but they said it in their own way. What's the difference? Because we're so intelligent now, we know what everything means. But they weren't as educated as us. They just did the best that they could, but they still knew what it meant. And so that's why they can say, you're going to dig a hole, you better dig too. They knew because Jesus says, whatever you reap, you're going to sow. They understood that. So if you're worried about somebody ain't right, you're in trouble. But let me move on. And so Peter and John is being like Jesus by showing compassion. And they reach out to the man. What are some of the things that causes Jesus to be moved with compassion. I want to point this out to you. As I was going through this, I want to point this out to you. This is very important for you to know what to look for to make sure you have compassion like Jesus had compassion. There were some things specifically that caused the Lord to be moved with compassion. So I I, I picked those things out and gave you the scripture text for them. So in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, the Bible says, But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. We got to have compassion on people that don't have a church home with a pastor leading them. About three of you. Go study that for yourself. Don't even go by what I'm saying then. Since you're not convinced, because I didn't hear convincing words. I didn't hear you respond in a convincing way. But this said Jesus had compassion on them because they're fainting. They're losing out because they had nobody leading them. A shepherd, an under-shepherd, if you will, leading them to Christ. So when he saw people that had no shepherd leading them to Christ, he had compassion on them. This is why God says when you go to Jeremiah, for I have chosen pastors according to my heart for them. It is not God's intent that any person in this world not being led by a spiritual under-shepherd of God leading you to Jesus. So when people don't have that, the Lord is moved with compassion. If we're going to be like Jesus and we meet people that are not in church, that don't know who Jesus is, that don't have a spiritual leader in their life, when you meet people like that, you ought to be moved with compassion and say, God, lead them into a church that preaches truth. Lead them, Almighty God, to a man or woman of God uh, that will care for their soul, uh, that will want to help them. Uh, we need to have compassion on people like that. That's a whole lot of people, by the way. If you see where Jesus is going, you'll realize 
I don't have no room to be upset with people. I don't have room to be mad with anybody. Because if Jesus is having compassion on people because they don't have a pastor, then how many people is that? So I, everywhere I go, I'm supposed to be having compassion. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards them and he healed their sick. When people are sick, Jesus is moved with compassion. If you're sick in the house today, God is ready to heal you because he's already moved by your sickness. It's not his will that you're sick. It's not his will that you stay in a situation where you're constantly in pain or you're just bound with sickness. God wants to heal you. He don't want you to stay in sickness. And when you're sick, the Bible just told me, my God, he's moved with compassion because you're sick. And so you can get up and come forth and receive healing. Why? Because God has come compassion on you and wants to heal you and don't want you to stay in that situation of sickness. That is spiritual sickness, physical sickness, emotional sickness. It ain't just physical, baby. It's every sickness that you experience. God wants to heal you. I remember the man that was a lunatic that was just throwing himself in the fire. He was possessed by a demon and God had mercy upon him. And when God confronted those demons, he told them, come out of him. Yes, yes, yes. God is not, is not wanting to see any one of us be in a situation where we're sick and helpless. Sickness means helplessness. And sickness means God is being moved with compassion to help you so you will not be helpless. Mm, mm. Ah, the Holy Ghost. Ah, oh, oh, something is happening, somebody. God is here. God, God has showed, God showed up since yesterday. God got here before you got here this morning. I'm telling you something. God got here before you got here. And He's in this house today. And somebody in this place will know that God is here and realize whatever you need, God's got it. God's here. And God wants to perform what's needed in this house. Oh, hallelujah. Matthew chapter 15 verse 32, then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. God have compassion with the hungry. Remember we talked about last week, blessed are they, that hunger. If you're hungry, God will have compassion on you. But if you're full and doing well, no need for the Lord to have compassion. But if you're hungry spiritually, if you're hungry physically, oh God is being moved with compassion to reach out to you to make sure you feel, to make sure you eat. It is not God's will that any should be hungry physically or from the word of God. He's moved with compassion in those situations. Yes. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 18 verse 27. Then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. This is a good one. God don't want you to be in debt. 
know you're going to like this one. <laughs> God don't want you to be in debt. And so if you're in debt and you want to get out, I've heard a whole lot of stories. I'm not telling you to follow these stories. But, but I've heard people done some things. Uh, I've heard people take all their bills and make a fire and burn all the bills and say, God, I want you to just deliver me from out of this debt. And God has done things like that. But it's not God's will that any of us should be in debt to anyone, whether it be financially or in debt to the devil. <laughs> oh, help me somebody. <laughs> the, the, the devil has a lot of us in debt, Brother Wood. And so, you know, we, we, as we move two steps forward, we take three steps backwards because we're in debt. And we keep on letting the devil tell us what he has on us. <laughs> oh, your devil, your, your, your bill collectors, when you owe people, they control your life. Uh, you might not like the phone call that's coming and they call you and they're rude and you're wondering why they're so rude. Well, you're in debt to them. And when you're in debt to them, you are their slave. Because you better pay up. Or if not, they're going to put you in a lot of misery. Uh-huh, uh-huh. There's only one way to come out of debt from Satan. And that's just to divorce him and don't go back his way. You got you to gotta call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You got to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I've allowed Satan to control my life because I lack faith. Lord, I've allowed him to have too much access. As a matter of fact, I have allowed him to have, shouldn't have any access at all. And because of my lack of faith, because of my unbelief, but from this moment on, Lord, I repent of my sins of unbelief. I repent of my sins of lack of faith. And today, Lord God, come hell or high water, no matter what people might come after me and say, no matter what the devil might try to do to stop me, I'm moving forward. I'm going to trust you and I will know, I know you will make a way for me and no matter what happens, I'm not going back his way, but I'm going straight forward. I'm going to trust you and when the devil try to intimidate me by reminding me of what I've done, I'm going to tell him I've already repented. It's under the blood of Jesus Christ that sin no longer has power over me. And so I move forward and I'm trusting Jesus. I'm obeying Jesus and that's what I'm doing. Devil, my sin is under the blood for Jesus died for me and he shed his blood for me. And no longer can you hold me hostage. Somebody need to get free from the devil holding you hostage. You need to tell him I don't care what thoughts you put in my mind. God has forgiven me. God has delivered me. And God is keeping me. Come on, somebody, clap your hands unto the Lord and give him some praise. You need to worship and praise the Lord. The devil wants you to stay quiet. The devil wants you to sit on your hands. He don't want you to say nothing. He wants you to sit here and say, preacher, you're right, but don't do anything about it. That's what he wants. He wants you to have knowledge, but no faith. But I want you to have faith and put some works behind it. Clap your hands unto the Lord and say, God, I will trust you. God, I will obey you. Devil trying to intimidate you. He trying to intimidate you. 
He's trying to intimidate you. I feel that spirit in here. The devil trying to intimidate us. Every time we try to go forward, the devil trying to bring something up to try to intimidate you. But you got to let him know, my God is all powerful. The Bible call him omnipotent. And God is going to bring me through. And devil, you're a liar. Devil, you're defeated. Devil, you have no hold on me. You might have messed me up one time. You might have got me two times. But I'm telling you today, I'm serving you notice. You better not come back my way. Because God is on my side. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Always remember this. Keep this in mind. Every time you walk away from ungodliness, every time you walk away from sin, and the devil try to come back your way, and he says, remember, just say, so what? Just say, so what? Well, I'm going to let certain people find out. And I'm going to mess with your reputation. So what? So what? That's all you say to him. So what? Just hold on to that because it's either two things going to happen. Two things going to happen when he tries to threaten you. You say, so what? He can try to go through on the threat and try to mess with your character. But you know what? If God let it go through, God will protect you through with it. If there's people that's going to try to assassinate your character because the devil is trying to use them, you just trust God and say, so what? Because here is the secret for every person that ever tried to assassinate your character. You just got to smile and walk away and says, oh, Hypocrite. Amen. This is what I've learned in my life. Anybody can come to me and try to throw anything in my face. I'm going to walk away and say, hypocrite. Like you so clean and you so right that you have the right to come tell me what I've done because you ain't never done nothing. Hypocrite. 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 That's why I got the devil like this. Because if he try to come my way and tell me something, I say, get out my face, devil. And for anybody who'll ever try to send my way to try to make me feel bad, hypocrite. Because they ain't perfect. And they never always walk right. They never always get right. And they still ain't doing right. And they want to come tell me something. If they was right, they wouldn't come and tell me nothing. If they was right, they would get on their knees and pray for me. If they was right, they would call on God for me. They are hypocrites. That, that's how you deal with the devil. That's how you deal with him. They come to you. If they, if they come to you and say anything, they could be the most holiest, the most righteous. They are liars because you ain't holy and right to come to confront somebody. Did you do so and so? I heard you did so and so. You just smile and say, I walk away. Just smile. Walk away. Because they're hypocrites for coming to you to talk about that. Go sit down somewhere, devil. My God is so good to me. He loves me. My God died for me. My God will not let you, devil, have control over me. He died for me so I may live unto him, devil. And so later for you thinking you can control me because of what you think I've done, because of some of the things I've done, God went to the cross because of what we have done. That's why he went to the cross. The cross was planned Yes, before the foundation of the world. But here is where we have written, a, a written documentation of when the cross was planned. If you don't know your Bible, just write this down today and go look at it. Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. That's when the cross was planned. 
All of Genesis chapter 1, perfect. Nothing went wrong. Then as we come through 2 and head to 3, man disobeyed God. And God says, no big deal, no big deal. Listen, understand this. If God wanted you to be dead, you wouldn't be here today. Remember, he said when he created mankind, when you sin, you shall surely die. They didn't die. Right? What we think is, you commit that sin, God wiping you all, wiping them out and start a new uh, people, a new group of people out. That, that, that's how I looked at it. I don't know how you looked at it. But when he said, set up everything and said that you will, when you sin, you will die, I just figure, you know what? He put Adam and Eve on this earth, and when they sinned, he was just going to wipe them out. Let's get some more people. Listen, go to the ark, Noah's ark. I'm just saying, all I'm saying is, God could have wiped this out a long time ago. But that's not his intent. So stop panicking. Stop letting the devil intimidate you. God don't want to wipe you out. God don't want to destroy you. God don't want to say, see, you just, just, just can't get yourself together. I'm done with you. That's not God. Our experiences in life want us to think that God is frustrated and want to just do away with us. You think you're surprising God with your behavior? I can't believe she did that. You think that's what God does? Oh, no! I thought she was... You really think that's what God is doing? He ain't God if that's what he's doing. He knew before you was even formed in your mother's womb all the rights and the wrongs that you were going to do. And he still allowed you to come into this world. He knows everything. (laughs) The compassion that moved God. Here's the last one. Matthew chapter 20 verse 34. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Make sure you write those texts down that I've given you to understand what moved God. What caused him to have compassion. I didn't read anything about pride. I didn't read anything about you being right. Didn't even read that. That he have compassion on the righteous. Isn't that something? Did, did we read that? That he, had, that he was moved with compassion because they were so righteous? Ooh. Then when Jesus sat and had um, a meal with sinners, the religious people, he's sitting with sinners. You see how we have become just so messed up in how we want to judge people and judge situation, and God did the total opposite. When are we going to become like our Savior? When are we going to... We always tell me, I'm striving to be like Jesus. Well, look at your life and see if you're striving to be like Jesus. And if you're not, go to Him and say, God, I'm fooling myself. Help me to be like you for real. Because we said we're striving to be like Jesus, but we're doing the opposite of what He does. He's having compassion on people. He is taking sinners out to dinner to say, you know, let's eat and talk to them about them being saved. Talk to them about being, you know, healed and delivered. That's what he did. He was moved with compassion for people that were lost. Are you looking to Jesus expecting anything this morning? When they said, look on us, the crippled man, look on them expecting to receive something. 
Obviously, every day that crippled man went to the gate of beautiful, he expected for people to give him alms. Alms, alms. That's how he made his living. Every day he went there, he expected to receive something. When we look to Jesus, what are we asking for? Do we even ask him for anything? Can we just take a pause here and ask ourselves, do we have expectation in all the areas of our life, in all that we do, but somehow we just kind of go through the motion when it contains or pertains to God? Just stop and think about that. When we came in the doors this morning, what did we think? And, and did we have any expectation to receive from God or did we just kind of passively come in and say, this is what you do? That's not God's will. God is not into that. Like you passively come in, you passively pray, you passively listen to the word and write down scriptures, you passively, you know, was worshiping. But all of it is just you're doing it because that's what you do. Or, or, or are you doing these things saying, I just want to get closer to God? Are you doing this saying, God is getting ready to touch me? Are you doing it with anticipation, expectation that something, something? I'm not doing it just to be doing it. I love God, yes, and that's why I'm doing it. But God is up to something. Where God found you, that's not where he's going to leave you. And where you are today, that's not where God wants you to stay. Where he found you, if you was obedient, he moved you from there already. And where you are right now, he's saying, come on, come on. So you have to have expectation every time, every place in your walk with God. You have to have an expectation of what's next, God. Oh, somebody come on and help me here. What's next, God? What are you going to do next, God? Just tell me what to do, but I'm doing it expecting you to do something. Father, let's pray for a second. I don't want your faith to wane this morning. Jesus... Let not our faith, Lord God, fail us, but I pray that our faith will be strengthened even now. Because God, we struggle with faith because of all the things that happens around us. But this morning, I'm speaking your word, Lord God, that our people, the people of God, every person that under the sound of my voice will hear, will have faith, will trust you, will believe, will put action, will put action behind what they believe so you can show them what you want to do. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Uh, What I found is we always have expectations of of, of whatever we do in life. The thought came to my mind when when I go to the barbershop and I'm there. What am I expecting? Some of us get impatient. You go to the hairdresser. You're impatient. Why? Because you're ready to get your hair done. You went there with expectation. I got to get my hair done. You, you even get a little impatient. Amen. You know, you, you went to the hairdresser and they tell you, come at 10 o'clock. And they just walking in at 10.05. Rushing. And you're like, I can't believe she's just getting here. <laughs> she told me to come at 10. You would think she would be here at 9.45. And here she is rushing in, acting like she's just that much important and that much busier than everybody else. I'm, I'm just going to find me another hairdresser. <laughs> 
God even messed with y'all on the hairdresser, huh? Lord have mercy. God, God dabble in every single thing, man. He don't miss anything. For the guys, you know, you go to a barbershop and you think you next. And the barber says, hold on, he was before you. But he wasn't in the shop when I came in. How is he going to go before? I was in the shop before him. How he gets in? Yeah. You expect to get your cut. You expect to get your due. That's what we expect. Why are we doing any less when we come through the doors to come in the house of God? Man, we got to wake up every day and have expectation of what God will do. I'm going to guide you through and I'm finishing up here on how you can develop expectation. Because I think sometimes what one of the issues could be is we don't know what to expect from God. And that's okay. But I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example, which you'll understand how God works. So let's move forward. We have to have an expectation. Uh, we have to trust that God wants to do more than what's happening at that moment. Um, we just got to trust God. And so here's uh, what we want to look to and trust God. God, this dude, that beautiful Looked on Peter and John, expecting money. He had an expectation for money. But I'm sure when Peter and John says, looked on us, he said, now this is different. That's what the young cat said, this different. So all the other time when people say here, we gave him a couple of dollars here. He's like, he knew what the look was. But when Peter and John said, look on us, he knew something different was getting ready to take place. And he looked at them. He locked in. He locked in. Oh, snap. This is different. That's what he was saying. Trust me. I wasn't there, but I know this is different. And so he got locked in looking on Peter and John. Let me tell you. He didn't know what he was going to get. But he looked to them to see what they would give to him. So the first thing is, you don't have to always know what God is going to do. But look to God with expectation that he's going to do something. That's the first thing I want you to think about. So you might not always know exactly what to look for from God. But come in saying, God, okay, I know you're going to do something today. And look for every part of the service to see if something will happen then. Don't worry, don't worry about the preaching. Just You have to follow this thing step by step. Okay. Just in the hug that I get from a sister. Okay. Is anything going on there? You got to feel out the whole process. What I've been talking about on Saturdays about uh, when we pray, I said, I want us to be led of God's spirit. That's biblical. The Bible says they that are led of the spirit are the sons and daughters of God. So in order to really proclaim that you are God's child, you have to be led by his spirit. And oftentimes, I mentioned this yesterday, oftentimes, We do all of what we want, and when it don't work, then we finally go back and say, all right, God, all right, all right, okay, 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 God. All right, what what, what are you going to do, God? But that causes us to waste time because we spend all that time doing our thing. And so now when our thing didn't work, then we realize, all right, something is missing, something is not right. And so we go to do what God, now all of a sudden we're ready for God. All right, God, what am I doing? What do I need to do? So come in the door and looking for God to do something in every situation, in every situation. I don't know about you. Here's something. When I go to church services, I used to do this a lot. I don't do it as much now because I kind of 
understand now where God wanted to take me. I still do it, but I don't do it as much. But I remember I used to go to church service and I used to always just wait for somebody to come pray for me. And this is what I would say in my mind. They get ready to tell me something from God. And because I don't know them, whatever they say, I know it came from God. So I would go to church service and I wouldn't, I would just, I would, I would try to go off to the side. I'm just telling you my secrets. I would go off to the side and say, if God want me, he'll come get me. But I know he wants to tell me something. So I would just go stand someplace just kind of odd. And if somebody come and find me out, because they would just want to pray because they led and they prayed. And they said, thus saith the Lord. So I said, oh, Jesus, you're talking to me now. <laughs> I said, I know you're talking to me now because here I am. I want you to talk to me, but I don't want to make it just general. I don't want to just hear something general. I want to hear something from you, God. And if I stay in the big population of people, it's just regular prayer. Yeah, God bless them. Yeah, God touch them. I don't want that prayer. I want God to speak to me. So I would show up at services. I said, God, you're going to talk to me tonight. I'm ready. I would even get dressed a certain kind of way. Y'all can laugh at me all you want. But from the moment I'm getting ready, I'm getting ready with expectation that God is going to say something. God is going to do something. Oh, man. Oh, somebody. God wants to do something. The crippled man asked for money, but God gave him something much better. The, the crippled man wanted money to keep going. God gave him use of his legs. We often ask God to solve small problems. Oh, God. But God wants to give us a whole new life. You got to start thinking like God is on uh, what God is doing, not what you're thinking. Oh, God, if you just fix this problem, problems will always come. God wants to give you a new life. God wants to change your mindset. One yes. Oh, man. Cindy, God wants to change your mindset because that's what changes your life. Can I give you a scripture? He says, be ye renewed by the transforming of your mind. I know what I'm saying when I'm talking. I'm not this smart, but I know God's word. And God will change your life when he changed your mindset. And that's what he's trying to change. We always want God, just bless me. We want God to work his little problems out. You think God, God don't have time for just these little problems. God is big and powerful. Little problems don't. Uh, God is trying to change your mindset so your life will be changed. So you look at the problem like he look at oh lord if you will allow him to change your mindset you will look at the situations just like he look at them then you will begin to do something about them and not even worry about it you're gonna look at them like god oh, i don't know if you bought into that one he gave the guy's legs he gave him life ask god for what you want but don't be surprised when god gives you what he you really needs Mm, yes, yes. yes. He, he wanted some money to keep on living. He wanted some money to eat. And God said, dude, I'm going to change your life. I want your life changed. I, I don't want people carrying you to this gate every time. See, we get in. Oh, God, the Holy Ghost is helping me. We get into a situation that we begin to compromise with our situations. And so we're so deep and we're so consumed by our situations that we just say, well, I'll take this. You start compromising. Yeah, I'll take this. Then, you know, I'll deal with that, but I'll take this. And so that's how we're operating. God is saying, you think I'm going to leave you in that situation? You think that's what I want for your life? No! I want to change your life that you don't have to take nothing! I'll take this. 
yeah, well, you know, well, you know, we negotiating with God. Yeah, because we've been so consumed with the situation, we think that there's no way. So we settle. Are you kidding me? God is not a God of settling. God don't want you to settle. God wants you to trust him. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The command was not by Peter's authority, but it was in the name of Jesus Christ. When you begin to pray for people, or you begin to lay your hands and pray for yourself, you need to take a lesson out of Peter's book and say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, according to his authority and his power, according to the authority of the word of God, then you speak to that situation. Because it's not you that does it. It's God that does it. And so you have to use God's name and God's authority and God's word if you want to see God do godly things. And so we need to stop being intimidated. Because you act like you got to say some eloquent prayer to make it work. Well, I I just don't pray like you. It don't have nothing to do with me. Oh, you know all the right words. No, I just told you how simple it is. I don't have no right words. I just pray according to my own relationship with God. But to be truthful, Brother Henry was teaching Sunday school this morning, and he talked about Elijah when he began to call down fire on the sacrifice, and the 850 um, props of Baal was sitting there cutting himself, looking at, crying, trying to get their God to do something. And all Elijah did was pray the simple prayer. So it's not about a whole lot of words. It's about knowing what to say. And I just told you what to say. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. He had Jesus on the inside, right? So so if you have Jesus on the inside, you know what you have. And so he said to him, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, what does the name mean? The name is the power of God, right? It's, 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 it's authority. It's power. And then when you say, according to the word of God, the word of God is the authority of God. When you use God's word, this is why he says, in the name of Jesus Christ. He used the word, right? When you use the word and the name, that's all you need to do. That's it. No, no, no fancy prayer. Lay hands on yourself. I told you when I first came to church, I started laying hands on myself. I didn't, I, it, it had no disrespect to anybody, but I wanted to make sure God worked for me too. I'm not going to sit in church and just think that only through the preacher God can work. Then I'm in trouble because I remember them saying the, the, the olden days you went to the priest and talked to the priest and the priest talked to God for you. And I know when Jesus came and he died, the curtain, the veil rent. And so now we can go to Jesus ourselves. So if that's true, why am I sitting waiting for the preacher to do everything for me? Just, just saying, just saying, just saying. I just had to, I just had to, you know, check God out for myself. And so, I'm close. When they used the name of Christ, Christ's name represented more than just his name. His name represented who he is, his authority, right? And, and so when we use his name, we're, 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 we're referring to his authority. We're referring to who he is. And that's why demons have to listen. Remember this. Remember this. Remember this. Lord, Lord, haven't we cast out demons in your name? Lord, Lord, haven't we done great miracles and wonders in your name? 
And the Lord was like, yeah, you did. Depart from me, though, because I never knew you. So that's how you get to understand that using what you need to use according to what God teaches, it will work. But having a relationship with God is something different. That's how much God back up his word. He is saying there are people using my name and my word and it's working because that's what I have set forth. And I can't change that. So you have people that are not living right using my name and my word It's working. So if people that are not living right is using his word and his authority, his name and it's working. What about you that's striving to live good? It's going to work. Just try it. It's going to work. But you've you got to make sure at the end, though, that you're also living that life. Because you can, you can, you know, some people, preachers, un- unfortunately, can get caught up in the, 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 the working of God's power through their life and figuring they have a relationship with God. That doesn't mean that. It just means you know how to use the name and the word and it's working. But you may not be right where you need to be with God. When the crippled man realized he was healed, and I'm finishing, when he realized he was healed, he started walking and leaping and praising God. Can I tell you this? Here is something I want you to understand. When you come in, or even when you leave your house when you pray in the morning, wherever you are, and you have an expectation of God, God will perform or he will even exceed that expectation. Here's the thing. When God does that, I think, I think a lot of us don't really praise God like we should because we don't really know what God has done because we never really expect God to do anything. Because here's the story for real. I read the scriptures. And when God has done something that you know he did, you prayed for, man, you can't help yourself but to dance. Just like this guy did. The scripture said he leaped up and guess what? He was with Peter and John. He went into the temple and prayed with them. And everybody was seeing him and like, yo, that's the dude. And he just rolled with Peter and John and being excited. You know why? Because he knew God had did something for him. We sometimes speculate, oh, God, help me today. Sometimes God do something or sometimes he may not. So we're stuck in the middle saying, was that God or was that? Is this happenstance or is it God? And so when you get stuck in that situation trying to figure out whether it was God or it was just happenstance, God don't get no glory from you. Uh Uh-huh. But when you have an expectation and you pray and you worship God and God does what he says he's going to do you know it's God because you know what you prayed for you know what you was asking him for and so when you ask him and he does it then you can freely show appreciation and thanksgiving because you know God did it and I believe we're not praising God enough because praise automatically comes from you when God has done anything God created us like that there is no way God will do something in your life and you know it and you're just like, yeah, God just did that. Yeah. And you're cool about it. No. For every one of us that we know God did something, we will always talk about it. We will always just, just there's a certain excitement. There's a certain glow. There's a certain way we approach things where we know God did this. So here is what I'm asking you to do. we got to go back to the place of coming to God with expectation to see God do it. So when he does it, you can praise God. So when he does it, you can say something. Barry, last Sunday, 
I'll say this before I close. Last Sunday, I told him this yesterday in prayer meeting. Last Sunday, y'all know, everybody knows because we all talk about it or if we don't talk about it, we say it in our mind. Everybody knows Barry sitting in his seat and Barry, hallelujah! And Barry worshiped God. And sometimes you're like, oh, Barry, man, huh, he into it. But last Sunday, he was doing that. And he does it every week. But last Sunday, he was doing it and I was going like this. And I got to here and he said, Wayne, I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for me. He had crossed the line of just always doing what he's always done. Big lesson right there to learn. He came out of his comfort zone. And I know him good enough to know that took a little something out of him to say, can you come lay hands on me? That's exactly what he said. And for some of you, you're missing out on your blessing because maybe you don't want to come and say, come lay hands on me. This dude was sitting here and he knew he was worshiping God, but nothing was changing. And there's nothing wrong. He was worshiping God. But when I got to here, he wanted what he wanted badly. And because he wanted it badly, he stepped out and says, come lay hands on me. He got healed. And when he went to his doctor, because he was out of work for a little bit, when he went to his doctor, he was so excited. He talked about, he said, he said, I'm good. And they ran all their tests and everything. And they said, oh, yeah, you can go back to work. He had, he had to act. You know, when he went to them to tell them what happened, he was excited because he knew God did it. So I'm convinced that when we know God do it, people will hear about it. We will act a little bit different. But if we just keep on just going with no expectation, when things happen, we're going to say, well, maybe that's just life. And when we leave it to, well, maybe it's just life, God gets no praise out of it. Listen, when God healed that man and that man started leaping and praising God, everybody now was wondering, how in the world did that happen? And Peter started preaching to the crowd. This is how God operates. I can't say this because that wouldn't be right. But this is what I'm trying to communicate to you. God will heal you because he wants his glory to be seen. Why does he want his glory to be seen? Because he wants to save people. Understand how it works. So if he gets saved and people are wondering what's going on and he said, you got to come to my church because God is healing people and they come. It's for them to hear the message of hope. It's for them to hear the gospel message so they can be saved. So when God does something, he's doing it with things, other things in mind. And we're not getting this. He, he wants to heal you, but that's a small thing. His real thing is I want to reach the world that I died for. And so if I can do a miracle in your body. If I can heal you, if I can do something that you will go talking about it, where people want to know how did that happen and follow you, then God can do more work among more people. Stand with me, if you will. This is what God wants from us. I don't know this for sure, but the Bible says that this dude was crippled from the day he was born. And... There's some things that happen in the Bible, and the Bible says it. Sometimes some things happen for the glory of God. And I don't know if God allowed him to be born crippled. I don't know how that worked. That dude was 40-something years old. That was at the Gate of Beautiful. And if he was born that way for 40-something years, he was being carried to that gate. And at the appointed time when somebody had compassion... 
at the appointed time when he had faith. Because I, I believe this dude just watching people going in and coming out. I believe something happened to him. Nobody can prove that. But I believe something happened to him. If you go to verse 16, when you read verse 16, it talked about because of his faith. What faith? He had to have some kind of faith. So when they said, look on us, the faith kicked in and said, Woo, maybe God's getting ready to do something for me today. And that's how we all have to be. We have to have that expectation of, ooh, God's getting ready to do something for me today. And you can have your little thing in the mind. It might be that you need to get out of debt. Oh, God's going to get me out of debt today. Okay. But God wants to change your life. That's what God is after. He's after changing your life. He just don't want to get you out of debt. That's a small thing to him. He wants to change your life. And if you want your life changed, if you have an expectation, God will change it. God can change your life just by one touch. One touch from God is, is just indescribable of what will happen to you from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. God wants to change your life. Now, God won't change your life if you don't want your life changed. Because it don't make sense for him to change your life and you go back because you just like your life the way it is. But if you want your life changed today, I want you to trust God and take a walk to this altar. And I want you just for five minutes. I'm, you know, I'm not a long altar call guy. Some places you go, altar call is 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I'm not into the long altar call. I'm just into do you want your life changed? And if you want your life changed, God wants to do it. You have to decide that you want something from God today. You have to, you have, to have faith. It's don't even think about me because I don't have anything to give you. Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give I thee. And so what they were saying is I have nothing to give you, but the Holy Spirit is inside of me. And so if I will just let the Holy Spirit just to flow out of me, then God can touch you. But that's the only way it can work. It can't work from it's not something I have. I don't have anything, but it's what God has for you. And so if you want your life changed today, I want you to go before God You're on your own. I will walk by and I will touch you. But God is the only one that can change your life. I will walk by and I will touch you because I got God in me. But if you want it, you have to have faith to say, I want it, God. I want it, God. I want my life changed. If there's a particular situation, put that situation on your heart. If there's something in your life, if there's something particular you want to see worked out, then put that on your heart right now and go before God. Just go to him right now about that particular situation and say, God, will you work in this situation? God, will you work in this situation? Don't tell him what to do, but just have him to work in that situation because he knows what's best for you silver and gold have I none but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth receive ye what the Lord has for you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth let God do what he's going to do now oh they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled in the name of Jesus 
by the power of the name of Jesus Christ and the authority of the word of God from the top of your head to the sole of your feet by your stripe Lord let her receive wholeness and healing in her body I pray in the name of Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus receive ye the gift of the Lord receive ye the gift of the Lord receive ye the gift of the Lord God is wanting to give you what you desire now receive it today and make sure you give God praise for it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Ah, ah, oh, follow his steps. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by God. Now let him order your steps. Receive you the gift from God and let God's will be done in your life in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, Father, I pray that by the power of the Holy Ghost and the authority of the Word of God, that ye will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I bind every thought that is not according to God's will. I bind them in the name of Jesus and I cast them in outer darkness. I loose upon you God's thoughts. Ah, huh. oh, yes, those thoughts that he says, your thoughts are not my thoughts. I loose those thoughts of God upon you now. And I pray that God's ways would be imparted in your heart. That from this day on, from this moment on, your heart will begin to understand the things of God. Your mind will be transformed and renewed. That the thoughts of God will fill your mind. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Father, will you light the fire of the Holy Ghost in her soul? Will you let the fire of the Holy Ghost burn in her soul? In the name of Jesus today, I loose upon you the power of God to overshadow you. That from this moment on, you will never be the same again. Oh, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, that the God's Spirit will move on you. That you no longer will have the controls, but the Holy Spirit will begin to stir you. The Holy Spirit will begin to move you. You will be receptive and obedient and responsive to God's Spirit in your life in the name of Jesus Christ that from this day forth you will never be the same again but the Holy Spirit will never leave you alone. The Holy Spirit will never leave you alone. God will speak to you. God will trouble your mind. God will lead you in the place of righteousness in the name of Jesus Christ. God wants to change your life. God wants to change your life. All your life since you've been born, God wants to change your life. And God has allowed you to come to this church for the moment has come where your life will be changed. The life that you used to know, God is going to give you a new life. 
And he will put that life that you used to know behind you. For there's a new day that's coming to you. And you need to claim that day right now. You need to claim it right now from the Lord. For this is the day that the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. Because this is the day that God has come to change your life. You will never be the same again. God has started a work in you. And he will see it to completion. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. According to the authority of the word of God. This day, I pray that your life will be changed never to be the same again. Your thoughts will never be the same again. Your ways will never be the same again. You will feel the pull of God and the things that you used to do, you're no longer going to want to do them because God has entered into the equation and God will pull you in the direction that he wants you to go. From this day forth, the power of God will come upon you and you will never be the same in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah. Father, touch Bob right now. Oh God, from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I pray that he will be whole, that he will be healed, that the power of the Holy Ghost will descend upon him, and he will receive the Holy Ghost and power. He will never be the same again, Lord God. That every day he wakes up, Lord God, the Spirit of the Lord will be upon him. That he will be able to experience, Lord God, the things of God and not the things of man. Today, touch him, Father, in a special way. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Today, simply let God have his way. Oh, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now say, God, order my steps. Say, God, order my steps. You want to do something, but you want God to order those steps. So now I want you to tell God, order my steps. Go ahead. Say, God, order my steps. I will not do my own thing, but God, order my steps. Lead me in the path of righteousness. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Ah, yasirulibasatalabaha. Give him, give him what little you have. You might not think you have much, but little is much with God. <laughs> little is much with Jesus. And whatever you have to give him, don't you hold on, don't you hold back, but give God what you have. He says, I can work with little if you will trust me. And so today I pray in the name of Jesus that you will give God what you need to give Him. And God will do what He wants to do in your life. You will never be the same if you will give Him. Come on. Give it to Him. Give it to Him. Surrender to Him. Surrender to Him. I know it gets hard. I know sometimes you're tired, you're weary. But God says, give me what little you have. Give me what little you have. And I will do a great thing. I will do a mighty thing in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, your ways are not God's ways. Your thoughts are not God's thoughts. Now let God lead you in the path of righteousness. Surrender to him and let the spirit of God flow freely in your life in the name of Jesus. Oh God, fill him with your thoughts. Order his steps in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I command the invisible chains to break free from him. 
I command the invisible chains to fall from him in the name of Jesus Christ. I command him to be free from every stronghold. Set him free, Lord God, that today he will be liberated by the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that you will untangle him. And I pray, Lord God, that the Spirit of the Lord will flow in his life. And I pray for liberty. I pray for, oh God, relationship. I pray that the Spirit of the Lord will overshadow him in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 You don't have to wait any longer. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, God can do exceeding and abundant. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, you don't have to wait. God can do exceeding and abundant. Ask, 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 and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened. In the name of Jesus, let it be done, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Let it be done, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Let it be done, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Let it be done, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Let the fire of the Holy Ghost, let the fire of the Holy Ghost burn. Let the power of the Holy Ghost overshadow. Oh, let the knowledge of God cause belief to operate with His works, Lord God. With His works, Lord God. I pray the work of the Spirit. I pray the work of the Spirit to work in your life. 